What would you say you do here? Have a good time all the time. Who's got it better than us? Nobody! What in God's holy name are you blathering about? I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. I've got information, man. I want you to be realistic. What do you love about music? You being realistic. As the story grows. everybody, how you doing? This is Travis, and uh, with me, as always, ever since the induction of this podcast, which is, well, today, um, wow. is, is my cohort, and my cousin, and my bandmate, uh, Steven. And lover. Whoa, whoa. Not really. Ain't that type of family. Keep it in the family. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, here we are on the other side of things. Things, uh... Yeah, this is this is the the, uh, the mutated spawn of uh, Black Final Collective. This this is this is the direction we're going to go now. Um, uh, Jesse went and did his his own podcast. He wanted he he wanted to dedicate something a little bit more to uh, be centered around his record label, which makes sense. Duh. So he's doing a Veritas podcast, and I want everybody to go check that out. It's going to be a monthly thing, and it won't be a big deal to listen to. Uh, once a month, not a big problem. And uh, we're going to try to keep this thing rolling weekly, kind of near the same format of what we were doing with Black Vinyl Collective. And uh, Steven is a master editor, at least that's what he told me, to get into this thing. You better, better be lying. better not be lying. But, is uh, master editor how the word came across in audio? <laughs> Why, what did you actually is, is say? That what you're, that, that'll work. I'm a master editor. Master editor. So uh, he's going to do a little bit of a... <clears throat> His stylings, uh, what he does, he, he's been doing a Taurus Trap podcast for many, many moons, and he takes you on this uh, psychotic musical journey where he paints all kinds of landscapes and does all <laughs> kinds of audio, and and uh, we're going to try to mesh the two together a little bit and make the audio here a little bit um, a little bit more uh, uh, kind of a little of, more me, a little bit more, yeah, a little bit more me, a little bit more him. Yeah. I mean, and kind of mesh it in with the story right a little bit, you know. So uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, here we are, and um, 
Uh, hope, hi, hi everybody. <laughs> hope you to be here. Hope you all found us okay. We're we're trying to switch everything that we had in Black Vinyl Collective just over to as the story grows, as far as our RSS feeds and all that technical uh, jargon. And um, uh, you should be able to just keep doing exactly what you're doing, and you should still be getting this. Uh, and if you're not, follow me on Twitter at as the story grows. You can follow Stephen at all things sorrow s a r r o. He's not a big Twitter guy. He's more of a Facebook guy. And I loathe Facebook. So if you're a Twitter guy, come hang with me. If you're a Facebook guy, go hang with him. I think that's how we'll fork that road. How's that? Sound good? Sounds good to me, man. You didn't you didn't sign up to be a Facebook <clears throat> guy, did you? No, I just I just have a phone anxiety, so using Facebook's nice I can hide behind that wall all the time. So <laughs> good. So yeah. So, uh, just to reiterate what you said, yeah, I do this Taurus Trap podcast, and it's kind of more my, like, uh, just a lot of what I find interesting, both in um, world perspective and sound perspective. I use a lot of um, uh, rare out-of-print vinyl, a lot of LPs that are, like, missing forever that people have, you know, found in Goodwill and have uploaded and things like that. I, I play a lot of children's music, a lot of uh, avant-garde stuff, uh, noise rock, whatever, just like whatever I find either funny or interesting. And I kind of cut it into like a like a mashup one-hour uh, show of just, I don't know, I think it's, the, the main thing is just that it's humorous, but, uh, but definitely takes a darker turn on a lot of levels and I don't know if you're into that sort of thing you're like kind of a kind of a if you're into like a offbeat kind of musical hilarious journey then then check it out it does get weird tourstrap.net <clears throat> yeah I love it but I, I like it though because it's it's the way that you list it out you 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 have the songs listed and it kind of it isn't just like a it's almost like a playlist but you kind of glue everything together and tell a story with the songs rather than just yeah here's a track here's track two here's track three here's track anybody can do that the tourist check me out um let me know what you think and i'm on facebook at facebook.com slash the tourist trap and uh subscribe on itunes all that stuff we're gonna have we're gonna have uh, all this all this stuff of my personal website musical stuff that i'm doing and and his tourist trap and everything we're gonna have all this yeah. in show notes every week it'll just be like a cut and paste a little a little uh a bunch of stuff you'll you'll know you'll be able to find everything but yeah but this podcast so, is about what about this podcast well yeah. this podcast all right um i what have we're we gonna do on this show i'll tell you i'm glad you asked I have this overwhelming <laughs> sense of community that I want to talk about. Um, I I uh, happened upon a friend through Skull Toaster who uh, decided that he thought I was a nice guy and he bought me a record. Just sent me the money for an Animals as Leaders album. Got to be friendly with the guy. I just went to Florida recently to go down and see some spring training and watch the Phillies. I stopped and had breakfast with the guy in Richmond, Virginia. Um you know who I'm talking about, Jeremiah. I know you're listening. But I never met that dude before, and I would have never met him. And it was through Twitter and, you know, Marcus out in Chicago and, and, and got to be friendly with Andrew from Torch and everything. Like, I, I'm, I'm meeting people through doing this kind of stuff. Right. And Twitter has some and Facebook has some. And, and uh, 
I'm playing in bands and recording drums for different things, and I'm heavily involved with Veritas and Jesse's label, and I mean, I'm, I'm going to be on like four recordings on his label. I just want a way to pull everything together and talk, because I feel like everybody is like putting out albums and saying, please come listen, please buy a shirt, tweet, 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 and it's just like, everybody's doing that. I just want, I just kind of want this to be kind of like a... To, to borrow Black Final Collective's title, like a collective, like a community. I just want this to be kind of like the place to come hang out if you're into this circle, and I want the circle to get bigger every week. That's all. Right. And I <clears throat> I can't think of anybody else better to talk yeah. to about it, because Stephen and I are cousins, his mom and I are sisters, and we've I've we've been friends our entire lives, and we've got each other into some of this stuff, and and we we love each other and, and fight like brothers, and, and like I... I he goes all the way back to. Saturday. I've already quit this show one time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is this is a train wreck all the time. I love it, but uh, it's it's the circus that is our family. Uh, we're not going to drag you guys into oh, yeah. that. But I just think it's I just think it's uh, sure we are. See, <laughs> you know, what happened? Was, what she did? Yeah, it's all his no, fault. It's all his fault. Yeah, Italians—they're all crazy. But uh, we've been listening. She started it because she called my mom and she told. Shut up! No. Shut up! Shut up! They might listen someday. <laughs> But uh, I'm just joking. I think uh, <laughs> I just I just want this to be uh, a place to hang out. We're gonna try to upload everything on right, Sundays, right. like we were doing with Black Vinyl, so that you guys have it for the drive Monday morning. And we're gonna try to get a guest every week. Uh, if we don't have a guest, me and Stephen will hang out and just talk about whatever's going on, and whatever shows we saw, whatever vinyl we bought. It's not gonna be a hell of a lot different than Black Vinyl was. It's it's just uh, we just want to keep trucking. Sexier, definitely sexier. Definitely yeah. sexier. Jesse's so And ugly. you know what, Jesse? It was your beer. It was. It was your beer. It was all your no, beer. I'm <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I just couldn't stand so, at that. I couldn't stand looking at that thing anymore. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <clears throat> so, you know, for me, you know, my interest in it is I've go. I done some talky podcasts before. Um, the Tour Strap used to be actually a, talk, a talky podcast with my brother-in-law, Justin, who played bass and Narcissist, for those who know that band. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I don't know, like, oh, there's a lot of these podcasts coming out where, where um, you know, people are uh, interviewing a lot of the people that I knew in the music scene that I came from and uh, the era that I came from, and a lot of the stories are sort of intersecting with sort of places I've been and the people that I know, and and I just, I don't know, it was like something was like brewing, you know, listening to the Black Vinyl Collective, listening to Torch's interview, listening to... Um, Matt Putman talk about a lot of the stuff that you know, the Cornerstone Festival days and all that stuff. It just sort of like was getting me excited about talking about my own story, my own musical past. Um, I know a lot of people, and I've I was a part of the music business, uh, the Christian um, alternative scene, for lack of words, um, for a decent amount of years, as you were as well. And mm-hmm. just between the two of us, we know so much. So many bands and so so much music, and I feel like there's a split in today's culture where they not list they don't listen to a lot of the stuff we came up on, mm-hmm. and I feel like we're interested in a lot of stuff that's going on today, but we have a ton of stuff from the past. Why not get together and talk about it and get some of those people on and hear what where they're at now mm-hmm. and that sort of thing? So that's kind of why I want to do it and. You know, also with with us doing on teachers, you know, it's definitely a good uh, way to plug um, plug into get get to know people, and you know, maybe they'll they'll come across our our record and be fans of what we do, and just it's a good networking tool, and 
So I think being an entertainment podcast and having fun and just sort of, I don't know. I don't want to be a. I don't want to be a fanboy podcast. I don't want to be a podcast that's <laughs> that's going to be like we're going to have people on and we're going to drool all over them through you know through Skype. No, or I, 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 I am <clears throat> in, I am inspired by musicians, and yeah. I I want to talk to them, and hopefully the listeners will be inspired by the fact that I that we brought them to you. Right, it's right. not. It's yeah. I I'm mean, not gonna, I'm, oh, remember that tour? That was. That was awesome. Like I'm not gonna do the Tommy Remember Boy thing. When you were in the Beatles, right? That was awesome. Uh, like, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like, there's people that I'm definitely a fan of that I want to talk to on the show, and definitely. But you know, like, I I view myself, I view you, as kind of like blue collar working guys who have families. We're all dads. We're you know we work the, the nine to five, the nine to or the or I should say the seven to you know, eight more like these days and the, you know we're you know we work really hard and our music and the things that we do is all passion projects it's it's not we're not doing it to make money we're not doing it to tour the world and be rock stars we're doing it because we love it and it's not really we work a, really hard at it it's not really a fanboy thing I I, <clears throat> I I just don't feel that way towards musicians I I, I want to talk to them about yeah it. exactly I, you know I just oh let's look under the hood together teach me something yeah. I, if I get fanboy about anything it'd be athletes if we start talking to like professional running backs and the guys who hit home runs I'll be like that's pretty awesome and then Steven won't even show up that week but you know what people don't realize is uh, this is a segue to what you're talking about what people don't realize is when we were given the option to do three colors of vinyl for on teachers you chose what colors, Travis? <laughs> I chose. Well, Jesse told me his. I can't believe you drug this out into the light. Jesse told if we're me we're going to talk sports. I'm going to exploit you on Jesse, this. Jesse told me uh, Veritas's thing was the first hundred are always crimson red to signify uh, crucifixion and, and the communion, I think, or something like that. And I said, well, that's cool because uh, the 49ers' colors are are like crimson, scarlet, red, and gold. And I think gold looks cool, so let's do the first hundred is is red, and the second hundred is gold, and then the third hundred can be can be black because those are the 49ers colors. And everybody got pissed at me. I was like, "What's the, no one has to know but me? I don't understand what the problem is." Whatever. Well, two out of three isn't bad, right? That's true. That's true. Ironically, but, his his crimson crimson tide has <laughs> gone away. Yeah, and we ended up with a uh, light blue. Kind of color, which I think looks great. Well, we don't want to plug the Unteachers album too much, but we're you know to anyone who's listening, you might want yeah. to hurry. We only made three hundred, and there's only about two hundred and eighty-five left, so you better get on it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of fading music, in uh, Stephen, tell us a little bit about uh, what we listened to on the way in after this intro. Um, we listened to when I say the words "a band called Death," I think everybody's going to think about the all brother band from from Detroit, the uh, the black punk band, the Origins of Punk, but um, no, we're talking about the Miami, Florida metal band called Death, Yep, that um, we're both big fans of. Travis is definitely a bigger fan of. Uh, you guys, your old band covered them once before, if I'm not mistaken. We had to cover and, them at um, least once, because we constantly ripped them off, we figured there's the only way to get <laughs> yeah, away with it. Gotta give them a little credit. <laughs> yeah, gotta <laughs> confirm that we ripped them off by playing their songs. Yeah. When Chuck Schuldner died, my, my old guitarist, Alex, the dude from Solomors that I'm with, um, he took that like it was one of his relatives passing away. He took that hard. Like, Chuck Schuldner passing away was like a kick to the crotch of metal. And, uh, and Well, it was kind of sad be- 
even if you weren't like a huge fan, because it just his age, but he was so young yep. and it kind of freaked you out. Like, wow, it, he he his music was so powerful and he was so powerful. And then yeah, next thing you know, he's not here, and it's like, what what just happened? I know it's terrible. But that's the uh, that's the main reason that we brought up um, the song "Spirit Crusher" that we played in the beginning here, coming in. Wait, what's it called? What's Sp- it called? "Spirit Crusher." Because no, no, no. what? Oh, You're oh, saying it wrong. yeah. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Spirit Crusher. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. <clears throat> Thank you, Chuck. Hang on. Now I need right, to take ahead. a sip sorry, of coffee. I hurt my throat. But um, as much okay, as we're being metal guy. as much as we're being silly, uh, paying tribute to. Uh, Scott Clendenin. Clendenin. I hope I'm saying his name right. The guy, well, paying the guy, tribute to a guy we can't even tell his name. Well, he's got a weird last name, but uh, <laughs> the bass player yeah. from Death's last album, uh, Sound of Perseverance, just passed away this week. Speaking of young, uh, yeah. 47 years old. And I combed the internet. I can't even figure out what he passed away from. Somebody from the media side, I think it was his agent or manager or something like that, said that he had some health some health issues. So I don't, I don't, I still yeah, don't know what happened gonna, to him, but they're keeping it at that. And I guess that's all we're going to get for now. For now, someone leaks the info, but well, I hope, um, I hope so. I honestly hope it was just bad health and something bad. I hope it wasn't a tragic, another drug loss. My God, enough with that already. But, but anyway, yeah. just, you know, I doubt it. Bummer, bummer about Scott Clendon, <laughs> Scott, the bass like, player. And I feel uh, like those dudes probably are, were probably pretty clean. You know, they seemed like hardworking, like, skilled players that didn't Chuck was known trashy Chuck was known for a healthy lifestyle I don't think he drank yeah I don't think he smoked he cooked like his own food I think he cooked for the band sometimes he was yeah really, I feel like I feel yeah. like he probably surrounded himself with with that kind of strong support mm-hmm. you know musically yeah so I mean it sounds like it um he might have had some kind of a condition that he kept private or something oh no man but whatever the reason is we, we lost him and he was an amazing bassist and he really was I've never heard anything he else he's ever done but this album, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't pay attention. I was, I'm a drummer, so I'm, I nerd out on the Gene Hoglin and the Richard Christie and all that and everything. Hoglin, I mean. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this guy, man, the bass playing was amazing, and it's a real bummer right. to to have had him pass away. So. Yeah. Here's a uh, here's one to you, Scott. The worst band name ever for these for these guys' uh, luck. <laughs> yeah, <Right>. really. <laughs> That's <laughs> might want to call your band Life next time, boys. Sorry. Yeah. There That's, is no next time. That's sad, man. But. Yeah. Anyway, but um, rest in peace. Our prayers are uh, with uh, the fans and the families. And uh, you know what? Definitely. They're a me- uh, amazing metal band. Like one of the best for sure. I'm I'm not a metal expert, um, but uh, I I've am, never heard. I am a metal expert. Yes, you are. <laughs> I've never heard a fretless bass. I know he didn't play on this particular record, but just any death record you get is the same sort of skill level. Yeah. But I've never heard a fretless bass played so perfectly. To death metal, yeah, right? Which, no, they kind of they came out of death metal. I mean, they were they were that Scott Burns produced kind of heavy yeah. cannibal corpsey sort of sounding death metal in the beginning, and they just slowly got smarter and smarter and more progressive. Which I'm a, I'm a real big fan of, you know, King Crimson and a lot of like the more progressive bands and Rush, of course. And so I always found that angle of when you take a really heavy metal band and throw that angle to it it just i'm always a fan so like uh individual thought patterns is probably my favorite um maybe symbolic but those i'm kind of in the the middle era of their discography Mm -hmm. but um but man great band check them out and uh yeah 
Sad. We drink to the dead. Drink to the dead. It's a bummer, but uh, yeah. that's that's why we played what we did and um, try Absolutely. to try to tribute anybody uh, yeah. who was who was passed away. It's hard to keep up with them sometimes, but that's that's the gentleman yeah. who we chose this week. But let's shake yeah. that off. Uh, hey, let's talk about uh, let's talk about more fun things. Let's talk about um, uh, you just picked up. We, we, we wanted to make sure that we talk about uh, some of the latest records and LPs that we've been picking up. Uh, not just LPs, if we get a digital download or whatever, if we get something new, we'll talk about it, and any kind of shows that we went to, and here, out of the gates on our first show, we get to combine both of those segments, because I just watched Steven buy two new albums at a show on Friday uh, that we all went Mm -hmm. to together, so um, we went to uh, Philadelphia Underground Arts, we went to see, you know, Torch was headlining, and it was, oh my god, dude, they're, they're just amazing live, and we'll tell a funny story about that. But um, uh, the opening band, Wrong, is a, a band from Miami, Florida. Something going on with the Miami sludge sound, dude. It's it's happening down there. And then um, uh, Phil- yeah. a Philadelphia band called Nothing played second, <clears throat> and then and then Torch came out and finished us off. It mm-hmm. was one of the more I hate to use the word brutal because it's such a cliche metal word to say, but that concert did not let up, dude. It was the the entire time from like nine. To one, it was just some of the heaviest, loudest beat your ass yep. music that I've been to. It was great, man. Sure was. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm a huge fan of all three of the bands. Um, was really excited to check out Wrong because their uh, Andrew when Andrew was on, he talked about them briefly, and he I liked the way he worded it. He said they were a they were a, a study of the first three Helmet albums, Definitely. and I I I, I, I I couldn't agree more. They I heard I heard some bickering and talking through the audience after they played, and I heard one guy say to his friend, "Man, they do helmet better than helmet." <laughs> and uh, I don't agree with that comment. No, I don't, I no mean, one does helmet better than helmet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, helmet brought that sound. They they created that sound and they perfected that sound. I would say more than their first three records, all the way up through Betty and Aftertaste, they were an amazing band. Mm-hmm. But but I will say these guys wrong. Have no know what parts of helmet were right and what parts of helmet were are wrong. No, no pun intended. No pun intended. And they, yeah, and they, uh, they took everything that was great about helmet and made their own sound with it. Like they, they, um, like you know, they're writing original music. They're not covering helmet. They're they're playing their own stuff. But it's, I mean, it's like it's like a second coming of of that early uh, AMREP sort of. um, Strap it on era of helmet, and, and it, was it, it had a lot of brutal it, heavy. It had a lot of it had a lot of very stop start stuff. Like I noticed a lot of yeah. the, uh, left a lot of open space, big slushy hi hats, and mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff. It was just crushing. Yeah. It was so heavy. That, that sort of old school groove that you miss in music anymore. Yeah, and uh, I had just seen helmet, the actual real band helmet. Um, uh, a couple weeks back, they were they're touring for their Betty reunion, and they're playing the Betty album all the way through, and a lot of their old discography. And you know, they still bring it. There's just something about hearing those kind of riffs live. It's just yeah. it just crushes you. But but yeah, they were great live, and uh, they have an EP called Stop Giving, and um, you can get it on um, Bandcamp. Uh, it's called Wrong Riff at Bandcamp.com, and um, I had that EP. It's a four song digital release. They had the 12 inch of that EP at mm-hmm. the show, and I picked that up. Stop, 
it's limited to 300 copies, so if you're lucky enough to get one, you know, covet that thing for all you've got because I, I highly doubt they're going to keep repressing it. I came close. Um, I saw the I saw the limited 300, and I was like, ah, nah. I just I just I've been buying. I just got back from Florida. I spent a lot of money down there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still healing from yeah. that. And I wanted to get the Nothing record. The uh, their latest is on Relapse. It's called um, Guilty of Everything, mm-hmm. and it wasn't there. They said that they had sold out. What I didn't realize was that they were a somewhat local band. I don't know if they are from Philly. They are from. They are. They are Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah, and that explains why like uh, a third of the crowd left before Torch Players. I think they have a split audience, and I think a lot of the kids from local, you know, the local band was playing, and they all came out for that. And whatever, it made room for me. It made room for me to get up front for Torch. So, thanks a lot, stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. A lot of the. Sad, uh, black hair dyed, pale skinned, sad kids left after nothing played. Good riddance. Kind of like that band, like the yeah. But nothing was better than that. I was I was making fun of them the whole night because I was like, oh, uh, the first band ripped off Helmet. Now this band's ripping off Hum. I just said that to be funny more than I actually meant it. But um, yeah, they did remind me of Hum. But that's okay because Hum. There's definitely Hum there. Yeah, it's definitely in the in the influence. mm -hmm. I think I think they're they're. The, the execution of their sound as a whole reminds me a lot of My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. A little bit of hum. dig them and I really wanted that record and I was kind of sulking that they didn't have it and then as I was about to go see Torch they had it on the table I think somebody ran off because they were local and snagged a couple copies and brought it back and and I ended up with the uh, limited edition red I was going to say I saw you leave with two of them yeah Yeah, it was pretty cool how my my luck turned out so I ended up getting that record and um, I highly recommend it. it it's amazing I think they actually Live, they're just really loud. Um, I'm not sure. I think I think you, the, the elements that make them unique are a little bit easier to hear on the record. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, Torch was Torch was fantastic. Yeah, they just they're, they they're, crushed it. I stood up crushed. front, dead center, for the first time. I can't remember being at a show that big and standing where I did. I was like front and center, like Nunez's bass was like eye level with me, and uh, yeah. I got the living kicked out of me at that show. There were people, I haven't been to a show in so long where everybody was acting like they used to 20 years ago when I was a kid, but there was a kid who ran up on stage, stage dive, and as he jumped over me, he hit me in the forehead with his knee, knocked my new Phillies cap off. I I saw that guy do that, but I didn't realize that was you that he was landing on. Oh, I got beat bad. The cool thing about Torch Live is like they're so heavy and they're so loud, but at the same time, you could pull your iPhone out and videotape them and you'll get clean audio. I did. Which is very rare for that kind of a loud heavy band. Yeah. They're just they're just like the, they're like the cleanest most pummeling crushing band you've ever heard live. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Like I'm expecting to go there and just get destroyed. And um it, like their bass player, he does that is it like drop Z they call it or something? 
the bomb drop sort of. Yeah, deal. he. I think they have a bass guitar string on their guitar. Like where everybody else plays that E string, he plays the next one up and just kind of leaves the bottom string alone. And then once in a while, when he drops down there, it's just on the album. It just sounds like missile command explosions. But well, they all have it. They all have it on their guitars. They they have a bass string. Did you notice when they switched guitars and the rest of the songs? There was about eight songs that were all bomb drop songs. No, I didn't because that. they they have a what they use is a, they use a bass string and they, and they just down tune it really low and they just they hit that note and it just sounds like the place is gonna explode. I, yeah, it's it sounded it sounded louder, and it sounded like the equipment was about to start to like melt on fire or whatever. Yeah. But it didn't get like it didn't drop to the point where it sounded muddy. It was still clean. It, nope. sound, it sounded amazing. No, it was perfect. Yeah. Oh, one more thing. Uh, Torch's drummer played with Wrong. Yes, w- was yes. that the whole tour? He's not their drummer, but he's. I think he just filled in for the tour. So he's just filling yeah. in for the tour. But Wrong has a yeah drummer. the singer. The singer's dr- the singer's brother is the drummer. Okay. From what I or they have the same last name and they look the same. So okay. I'm assuming they're related. All right. So. Well, he couldn't make it for the tour. He must. Ha- he must. Uh, he must work where I do. Yeah. So, so did you do you have any more vinyl uh, purchases you want to talk about or? Um. Nah. You were talking earlier about Modest Mouse. You want to talk about that? At yeah, all? I got the. Uh, I got. I finally got. Uh, uh, Strangers to ourselves on vinyl. I talked about that before on Black Vinyl, and uh, I finally got it. And uh, uh, I just ran into a very, very busy week. It arrived while I was in Florida, and then I got home, and it was just crazy. So I didn't get a chance to even load it into my phone or listen to it. I finally sat down and listened to it. It's pretty good. I, I, I like it. I don't love it. I feel that way about Modest Mouse mm-hmm. all the time. He's such an eclectic weirdo that uh, it takes a while to grow on me. And uh, I'm listening to it, and I'm going to love it. I'm not a big Modest Mouse fan. I'm actually a bigger Built to Spill fan, and when those bands were kind of both out at their peak, uh, uh, everyone was always saying Modest Mouse was like the new Built to Spill, and I was always in revolt to that idea because I think they're very different bands. But um, uh, um, I, I, I like their um, good news for people who love Bad News album a lot. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's because there's a lot of that '80s influence in there. But um, you know, I'm just not. I just never was able to swing with those dudes. I don't know what the deal is. Saw them live. I just saw them live over the summer, and uh, I saw them here in Bethlehem. And they had they had some sound problems, and I think they got a little toasty before the show. And uh, well, they're always doing drugs and stuff. <laughs> I don't know if he's clean yet or whatever. But I had a friend who who did sound for them at at the Chameleon Club here in Lancaster. And before the show it started, he asked uh, the singer asked um, him where he could score some coke. So I mean, he's he's been kind of. Famous for his drug. Use. I think he just meant Coca 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 Cola, like he mentioned in that one song. Coco Coca Puffs. Coco Coca Puffs. He's cuckoo for Coca Puffs. <laughs> He's cuckoo for Coke. <laughs> Dude, so. uh, this is this is happening live. I mean, this is a podcast, so it's not live for you, the listener. But I just got an email from Seth of Skull Toaster that uh, oh yeah, Negadeth just named their new drummer, and it's Chris Adler from Lamb of God. Weird. That's a really weird choice. Which which pisses me off because I mean I I emailed Dave's uh, I emailed Dave's co- uh, management company and I told him I would do it. I know I'm working cheaper than Chris Adler, but whatever. So by the time you guys get this, um, that'll be old news. But it just happened now, so 
It's new news. Cool, man. <laughs> That's wish I loved Megadeth. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, no, I haven't loved Megadeth for a while. Uh, so yeah, I got I got uh, Modest Mouse before that. Um, it's been a while since I really bought anything, but uh, Tilts. I think I, I just mentioned all this on the other on, on the last Black Vinyl episode. So nah. Yeah, I got to get the Tilts record. Yeah. That's a definite future purchase for me. Um, the only other thing I have to mention is the Built to Spill. Uh, Ancient Melodies of the Future reissue that just came out. It's if 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 you were trying to buy that on vinyl a couple week well, a couple months ago, you were probably spending upwards of two hundred dollars for it. It was really or well, maybe not that much, a hundred dollars or something like that. Really expensive, really rare, and they finally reissued it. It sounds amazing. I bet. Um, it, it it's the production was was made. It's an analog recording, and it, um. The, the production's, like, perfect for this vinyl per, uh, transfer. So anyone who's into Built to Spill, and, uh, that record is now available in vinyl. And uh, also their very first album, I got Ultimate Alternative Waivers. Also sounds amazing. Um, definitely check those two out. I think I want that. And not the t- that's about not, it. Not the $200 one. I think I want the reissue. Yeah, well, we'll take a music... Let's take a music break. I want to come back. We'll talk about the, uh, the Tooth and Nail documentary, no, New Kind of Story. Do it. Doing it. Yeah, tooth and nail. They finally got their their uh, documentary. Their story has been told. Um, no new kind of story is the uh, 2014 release. Mm-hmm. Who uh, directed by a name I can't remember. <laughs> Coach <laughs> wrote that down. Um, <laughs> Whatever. <clears throat> bunch of fanboys. I know, right? What'd you think, man? I was uh, my favorite part of the movie. Um. I think it's very, very easy for people in the scene or who think they know anything about the scene to think that uh, Brandon is just a, a, a piece of machinery who just cranks out bands and stuff like that. Um, I thought it was it was really touching watching him get choked up and start to cry a little bit when he was quoting his grandfather saying, nobody in, nobody in the world believes in you but me. And... Um, 
That was my watch. Watching him kind of get like verklempt, so to say, was like really touching, and it made me root for him. You know, I've never, I've never been that guy that was like screw tooth and nail, corporation, ugh, Christian industry, stupid. Blah, blah. Dude, tooth and nail, tooth and nail put a lot of stuff on the map for people that I, I just, I never understood the hatred and the stories, <clears throat> the stories that everybody was saying about how like. I think it was Matt Johnson, um, who just got interviewed by Billy Power on the Urban Achiever podcast. You should listen to that. It's really funny so far. But I, I, yeah, I, th- I think it was Johnson that was saying, like, Modest Mouse had a show lined up with us, heard what we were about, and backed out. It's like, man. Yeah, I'm unfortunately. That's so really tired weird. of this stuff, man. It, it, it's, unfortunately, years and years and years later, same shit, different day. It still goes on, and it's annoying. Yeah. But whatever, I guess I guess that's just the way it is. The the important thing for people to realize who may not may not have followed the tooth and nail legacy, but that's definitely the the appropriate word for it is you know in the Christian culture we had we've had alternative music beforehand, um, but the record labels were kind of small and, and there were few and far between, and I don't know it it wasn't quite the mainstream the the in everyone's uh in, in everyone's view you know there was bands like the 77s and scatterfew and yeah um you know stuff mike mike not was doing and um terry taylor was was doing stuff with daniel amos i mean things like that but just an aside just an aside real quick about scattered few i i i thought of the name of this podcast as the story grows i, I didn't just name it after my twitter handle based off of the Scattered View song, and we actually got a hold of Alan and got permission, and he said it was cool. So we're not ripping anybody off. Yes. We're paying tribute to Scattered View because they're the best punk band ever. And and we're hoping we to go. have him on when, when the Scattered, the Sin Disease record comes out. It's coming out this summer. So, but um, Absolutely. Uh, by the way, a uh, sidebar, the, the film was directed by Jesse Bryan, just in case anyone was curious about there that. There you go. Um, so Jesse Bryan, I don't know who you are, but um, you made this movie. Kudos, and yeah. And... I'm I'm in in one on one aspect I'm so thankful this film exists because as I was saying you know I, I grew up in a Christian home and I and you know listened to Christian music CCM that kind of stuff mm-hmm. I remember sitting in my high school in '93 and I remember reading CCM magazine Contemporary Christian Music magazine and I remember seeing a little ad for Tooth and Nail Records. And I just remember seeing the the Wish for Eden, uh, which is the first band they put out. Um, I think maybe Focus was in there. I can't remember quite how many was advertised, but I remember just seeing the ad and thinking to myself, without even hearing the bands, like, "Whoa, this is like, this is what like this is like real music, like, right. like the stuff that I'm sneaking my, my you know like my Nirvana records and my Metallica right. and stuff." And like, now this is like feels like that. Isn't it neat know? to know that Brandon was sitting in some little tiny sweatbox apartment? With sixty thousand dollars that his grandfather gave him, and he was eating one dollar tacos and five bucks a day for food. That's yeah. that money, and that era is the advertisement you saw in the little corner of the CCM thing. It's kind of neat gluing all this together and seeing, yeah, you know. And like in the film, they show Wish for Eden brief footage from Wish for Eden at Corner Street ninety four. Yeah. Well, I just ha- I happened to to um, jump into a car with a bunch of youth group kids I didn't even know. And I got to Cornerstone 94 at age 16. I didn't know that. I was completely completely on my own, and I had a very limited amount of money. And I I uh, ran out of money. I didn't have enough food or water <laughs> mid-trip. This is a week-long trip. 
because when I got to Cornerstone, the tooth and nail thing was blowing up so big, and there was a lot of these um, labels that were coming up just already based on that influence. There were all, there was just a, an an overabundance of of music of that was just melting my brain, and so all of my food and water money went to CDs because I was just like, oh my god, I have to, you know, like I heard Six Feet Deep there that year, and I and I grabbed their CD and I grabbed you know, a bunch of Tooth & Nail albums and, uh, you know, just anything I could grab, you know, and, and came home with just all these cassette tapes and all these CDs of bands I just discovered in that week. Mm -hmm. It was like, uh, I came, you know, I came back like a different person, you know. Right. And Tooth & Nail Records was, was literally like a revolution for the Christian music scene. And, like, it brought, <clears throat> it brought, like, real um, punk and hardcore and all this stuff that was happening... It brought it to a place where, where kids like us could could find it, right. and without that, um, I, I'm not sure what would have happened. I mean, like I'm sure someone would have eventually done it, but To the Nail just happened to be that label that changed music. It literally changed music. It changed culture, right? The music culture, and it created something that I don't even think people really realize is a part of their lives, right? And so going into this documentary with that in mind was very anticipated. I, I, I was anticipating it. And and the fir, I would say the first half of the movie, when, like you said, when he talks about how it got started and his father says, or his grandfather says, I'm the only one in the world who, who believes in you. That's touching. Like, that, was a, that was touching. That's for real, yeah, that's cool. An amazing, amazing story to hear and it was really exciting. And, and, me and his mom saying... If you believe in something, or if you want something bad enough, I forget how she worded it, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Abel, Apple, I guess. Go after it, tooth. Go and after nail. tooth and nail. And I felt like yeah. I'm such a dipstick. For 20 years, I never thought of that. Tooth and nail, tooth and nail. I never. I heard the term. You got to fight for something, tooth and nail. And then the record label. And I. And yeah. when he said that, I was like, Oh, yeah, duh. I never thought of that. Pretty cool. Right. So his grandfather funded yeah. it, and his mom named it. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yep. Yeah, and that's such a cool factoid into just looking at what, what, what happened with that label to know that right. it was so homegrown and family right oriented. and he worked but, at Frontline um, kidding me that's hilarious <laughs> yeah yeah and and I was a fan of those Frontline records too. you know like uh, you know because that's all we had and he he saw that and they talk about that in the documentary he saw that we're, we're, we're putting out cheese man we're putting out stuff that we're like like stuff's happening outside I agree with him too those labels those album covers are terrible. The album, like the Mortification album <laughs> so covers, yeah, stupid. Like, so, like they're they're cool if you're into like those pus head Metallica drawings, but like, yeah. it's, you know, if you're if you're someone who's coming up on like you, you've you finally heard Sin Disease. Sin Disease is the pinnacle hardcore punk record that opened the minds of Christian Change kids. Change my life. Change my life to do something real with music, and uh, you know, and bands like Mortal. Mortal was another one. They were they were touring the scene. They were playing all the clubs they were hitting you know they were in Hollywood playing clubs and stuff and like doing all all those clubs that like the hair bands played you know yeah. and the, these bands were coming up doing real music in a real scene they weren't christian bands doing a christian music they were christians playing real music mm -hmm. and so that was the distinction that Tooth and Nail made they brought these bands in that that, that talked about things that you know, I'm used to hearing Petra. You know, I'm here, I'm used to hearing Whiteheart, and I love those bands. Don't get me, me wrong. Me too. Everybody but, was everybody was totally like dissing on that yeah. stuff, and I was like, dude, come 
come on. That, that stuff Everyone's that so bad. embarrassed to admit that that's what they grew up on. It's like, give me a break. You know, and that's what's so cool about this podcast is we can we can enjoy what we came up on, have a nostalgic appreciation. Love Whiteheart. And an, art, and an artist, yeah, absolutely. They're a great band for what they were doing. Um, and, but, and I was listening to um, Testament, Slayer, and Metal Church at the same time that I was listening to yeah. Whiteheart and Petra and you know what I mean? Like it, it's such a scatter shot. It was like somebody took mm-hmm. a, a buckshot to a record store, or whatever it hit. It was like that's my collection. A little bit of that. Little yeah, bit of absolutely. You know. Yeah, and you were definitely listening to more secular music at that age. Oh yeah, I was. I was, I was. Yeah, I would come to your house and you would show me some of that stuff, and I'd be like, Travis, Travis, <laughs> Travis. Travis, does your mom know you're not a Christian? Motley Crue. No, Motley Crue has a pentagram on the cover. I'm like, well, oh, I remember speaking. Cool. <laughs> yeah, the devil. I remember you gave me, you handed me the cassette of Sin Disease from Skyderview, and I, I remember I literally said, "This can't be Christian." Yep, because it just the the look of that band. Yep, was um like the only thing I could I could say maybe the reaction would be like when Marilyn Manson came out, the the visuals of that band. You look at them and you're like, "There's no way this band could be right." These could be Christian people, but not to that extreme, of course. But they just had this look to them. And that's what you know. That's what Tooth and Nail did, man. They brought those those musicians into the into my visual and my right. you know yep in, into my ear holes. <laughs> so so you know the documentary was 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 made for guys like me. Yep. My problem with it though, because I do have some criticisms. Okay. Is this is a this documentary serves no other purpose than to than to. <clears throat> service the fans. I think this is a fan documentary. There's, There was no other need to make this film. There's no other market for this film except for those people who were there, like us, okay. who bought those records when they came out and are still fans of those old bands and missed those old bands. Blenderhead, um, Crux, you know, all that stuff that came out. Luxury, you know, Starflyer. You know, they, they were signing so many completely unique from one another bands that and we bought those records and we loved them we're the ones that are into this documentary there's there's no other people you know what i mean this isn't a, a documentary to teach people about a, a record label that you know put out a bunch of christian music so knowing that i'm not seeing, i'm not this, seeing the criticism yet no, I'm, I'm getting to the criticism okay criticism. all right all right no knowing that this film serves as only really a a fan gift. Give it back. You were there. You experienced it. You you know what this is about. Here you go. Knowing that, why was this film an only one hour long? I mean, oh. it's just over an hour. It's way too short. Um, well, he put out, he it, put out like 275 bands or albums or something that, like that. that. Can't cover them all. That, that's fine. I'm not expecting him to do the whole discovery, but what I, what I kind of would have liked to have seen was Certainly, more more um, f- band interviews and more discussion of the the what the label was doing musically in those first ten years, especially. Um, it, it it gets to a point in the film where it talks about okay, now we've got MXPX, and MXPX is blowing up, and we realize it, and we're going to pour all our money into MXPX. Right, right. Now, good move. Now there's all this. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Now there's all this drama with MXPX. Now we're going to get the Supertones. Right. The Supertones just just afforded me a house. Right. They're the biggest selling band on the label. Right. The end. 
And it's like, whoa. It, it just, I felt like, I felt like I was, something was building and building and building and it was getting, it was at that point where it was going to go, all right, we're moving now. And then it just stopped. Gotcha. And, and, and you know, I, I'm a fan of like fan documentaries. You know, there's documentaries that are, they're going to tell you a story. They're going to tell you a timeline of like, this is what happened, you know, but with Tooth and Nail, it's a fan documentary and like, um, I just recently watched a documentary film called um, Crystal Lake Memories. It's a, it was a a, a seven hour long documentary Oof. about the entire Friday the Thirteenth franchise, and they went from each film and they discussed the whole like how it came together and so much the, like the franchise that documentary didn't know when to call it quits either. Whatever, dude. <laughs> Whatever. Thump. No, dude. I think I don't, I'm not saying the Tooth and Nail documentary needed to be seven hours long, but I wouldn't but, have watched it. Honestly, I love dude, I love it, but seven, dude, I, I can't do anything for seven hours. I can't even oh sleep God, for seven dude, hours. It could have been ten hours long if I if it was going to tell the story of what I remember growing up. I mean, I'm I'm just that fan, you know. Like, I want to see if you're going to make a documentary about that, and I'm your I'm your um, demographic. Then, like I said, the only purpose of making this film is to tell a story, is to tell the whole story. Don't don't give me. You know the beginnings of the story. Now we're moving. We had a couple big bands. The end. Give me more. Like I got you. All right. This is a di- this is a direct to video. This isn't a theater thing. You know. Right. We don't need to cut it to an hour for theaters. You know what I mean. So that was my my only criticism. I can I, I see I see the point in that. You're right. I I say I wouldn't have watched it seven. Yeah, I would have. I just wouldn't have watched it all at once. But uh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the, the albums have influenced our lives. Right. Very very much and. I just, I don't know, it felt, just felt a little hollow. It felt like it could have just been so much more. And the other thing is, you know, if you had purchased this DVD, it wasn't that cheap. And it was well worth the price for what, you know, again, you're, this is a, we made this for the fans, and we're going right to the fans. So you buy this thing, there's no special features on this thing. Right. There's there's nothing. You know, you get an hour-long doc. <laughs> if, you, if if MXPX and the Supertones were your favorite bands, you're gonna love the documentary. Yeah, really. You know, which they weren't. I, I, yeah. I mean, God bless MXPX for uh, funding uh, Tooth and Nail and getting them to where they did and everything. But I, I couldn't, I couldn't stand that stuff. I don't like that kind of music at all. Yeah. And um. And so then, you, and then the you su- wouldn't have changed. I wouldn't have what? I'm sorry. I was gonna say. So you, you wouldn't have changed it. You liked it the way it was. Um. Well, I mean, now that, now that you're saying what you're saying. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely could have, I would have sat through it if it was longer. I didn't even think about it until you mentioned it. Um, it. It did kind, of, it did kind of feel like, okay, we have this long. Here's the important stuff. Let's set Brandon up at his situation. Is it Brandon or Brendan? Brandon Ebel. Brandon. All right. Brandon Ebel. No. Ebel Ebel. Uh, let's let's set Brandon up with his background and college and frontline and getting started and it was hard and I'm eating dollar tacos and I'm barely hanging on and I still owe my grandfather money. MXPX left, big problem, supertones end. We we have an yeah. hour to tell that story and they they did exactly what they had to to get to that hour. I see your point. If it, if it, if it was for me. And, you know, we were all part of that scene and everything. It could have been much, much, much longer. Went into more gory details, and we would have sat and watched it. But I don't know. Cost? 
Dude, I don't know. It, you know, if 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 the thing yeah, was two it, hours it, long, would it cost twice as much to make? I don't know. I mean, I yeah, it struck me as a as a budget thing, probably. Maybe, yeah. Um, I mean, who knows? and if if it is a budget thing, I I'm certainly thankful for getting what I got right. versus nothing at all. Right. Don't I mean? Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm thankful this thing exists. It's something that I can play for my kids someday and go. You you have to imagine children. <laughs> this <laughs> this world that you exist in with iPods and iPhones and i everything and the touch of a button, any genre of music is just falling out of the sky in thousands right. of songs at a time. Back when people used to just staple, imagine. we used to staple things to telephone poles. And they'd be like, "Why? Why didn't you just put it on Facebook?" Yeah, we didn't have Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just, I mean, I know I sound like I'm an old fart, but it's like, dude. I mean, cassettes and CDs and vinyl, and that was all you had, and you had a very limited pick of the litter, and. When every one of those bands sounded uniquely their, their own, and there was just because there wasn't an uh, uh, overabundance of music, it was just it, it was a very special, unique time, and I'm so thankful I grew up on that era. I got confused about one part. I will, I will. This is more of a question than it is a criticism. I, I did notice that they were talking about living sacrifice. And they were talking about Living Sacrifice, like the early mm-hmm. stuff. I do remember the graphic, Living Sacrifice, 1990. All the footage, pictures that I saw, and all the music that I heard in the background was Reborn and Later. And I don't understand yeah. what Living Sacrifice pre-Tooth and Nail, pre-Reborn, had to do with this documentary. Were they on Tooth and Nail? They wanted to, um, from what I understand... They will. It took a while. It took a while to get them on the label officially because of uh, a bunch of legal stuff with Rex and yeah. they, and they uh, and Brandon. I think from day one. I don't remember if that was in the film or not, but he somewhere I I've heard either from from Bruce from Living Sacrifice or or from Brandon that that Living Sacrifice was a band that was was fought for to be on the label from much earlier than when they finally got on the label. And when stuff fell through with their last out, their last record uh, in the Habit in '94, um, there's a big gap of time there '94 through '96. Seven, I think '96 or '97 when that record came out. I think yeah. that they were. I mean, I know they were they were doing that sound and that lineup in '96 because I have a cassette tape that I bought from them. Yep. Of the demo version. Oh yeah! By the way, I need that. I, I you sent me that once. I don't think I have anymore. I definitely yeah. want the demo of that again. Oh, mm-hmm. that crushed me when I first heard it. <clears throat> Oh, I couldn't believe my ears at the time. It felt it felt right. I I mean, I'm more of a fan of the of the death metal stuff. But I mean, it, at the time, I remember thinking like, "Yep, this is this is what's happening now, and what I feel is in the air, and right. this is going to be huge." And of course, it was huge, and and it, and that changed heavy music. I mean, I mean, I feel like Living Sacrifice is probably one of the one of the reasons why we have so many um, you know fist swinging metalcore bands that we have nowadays but they were at, i but, think at one know. point they were the christian metalcore band like they sure they, they they opened that they helped they opened the door and then held the door open for a long time and a lot of crap came in behind them. <laughs> and, and i think i think also i mean as much as i don't like the hammering process i don't really like much of their stuff after reborn i would say like reborn and back is like gold for me i would say despite that though they never got their their due man nope, they, 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 they were Reborn alone should have made them rock stars, and I just, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Sometimes I think the ones that mold 
you know, that the create the mold are are then, you know, they, they duplicate that mold and the mold is not the one that gets the gets the credit. We put my old and, band my old band Crutch, later known <laughs> as Alathian, we played with Living Sacrifice twice. And uh, mm-hmm. Bruce came and did a live performance with us at Cornerstone once uh, while we were covering Breathing Murder. And um, getting to talk, you know, getting to be buddies with Matt and everything, hearing what some of their guarantees were for the shows, and um, then seeing that they didn't get paid anyway, I just felt like, how dare you? Like, this is, these guys are royalty to me. And I, I mean, yeah, I, I, here we go, yeah. fanboy. No, I'm just saying Living Sacrifices from Little Rock, and we're in Whitehall, and their guarantee is modest, and I'm being very generous with my descriptive words. Yeah. And they got one fourth of it. That's disgusting. Like, come on, man! Absolutely. You sold that much yeah. in soda to the first thirty kids you ran through here. You know what I mean? It's just, it was, it was. They, how the hell can you keep touring on that? They, they got to go home and yeah. buy baby food and stuff. And Absolutely. It, it was, it was yeah. difficult to see because I was that, like, I don't understand. Like, I, I get it that there's bands out there struggling and not making money, but. This is a big sacrifice, dude. And there like, were a lot of bands in that same sort of position that it, it happened to them too. I mean, and certainly the, the you know any band that was touring. I mean, we were touring, you were touring. I mean, it was there was never money, good money no. to be made. And if, if you you look at bands like Living Sacrifice, and you know, or, or even like going back to Torch, I remember seeing the guys on Facebook talking about how they needed part time jobs when they came back from tour. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, if you dudes are doing what you're doing and you're killing it like you are. And you're not you're not bringing home you're not like able to buy a, yeah, buy a house or a pay prayer. off a mortgage yet. We're, we, yeah, we don't have our prayers, right? <laughs> you know what? It's a relieving, it's a freeing feeling at that point. It's like you know what? Screw it. I'm getting a job. And I'm going to make this music on my own terms. Yep, Screw it. Exactly. It's never going to happen. Exactly. And and I'm you know what? I'm glad that uh, not to keep talking about living sacrifice, but I'm glad that they're able to do living sacrifice on their terms now. Yeah. And. uh they aren't just like you know. Yeah, listening listening to whole. Bruce on Mark Solomon's podcast, uh, uh, never was. Um, he never was. Uh, this is never was. Never, never was. He definitely <laughs> sa- Bruce definitely sounds exhaled. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like I'm definitely. so glad the pressure of like, <laughs> are we even gonna have enough, in the metal world on my shoulders? Are we even gonna have enough <laughs> gas to get to the next town? You know, like I'm 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 glad that the and dude it, is 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 like. It, at home and you know raising he called kids. himself the band dad the band dad that is funny yeah that is very funny every band's got one right yeah ours was named Joel <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely well, you guys were all like band dads because you were like real dads well yeah yeah that's true <laughs> yeah but uh anyway but, uh, that, yeah, that I mean the tooth and nail documentary was was really really cool to see for for those of us that were in it I, I don't think I I don't think I really rolled up my <coughs> sleeves with tooth and nail till the solid state stuff. Like, like, um, I think, I think, uh, I mean, I was listening to some stuff, but like roadside, huge, 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 huge. And, um, Oh yeah. The first, oh, the yeah. first strong arm album is quintessential in my opinion. Take this hand. Are you kidding me? If you don't, if you're not singing along by the end of take this hand, then your headphones are broken. I don't know. I don't know what else to say to that, but then I'm holding here in my hands the uh, advent of a miracle, the second strong arm album. Um, this says SS one on the side. I think this is the first solid state release, but it also says TN ten seventy six. 
I'm very much under the impression that this is the 76th release from Tooth and Nail, and the subdivision of Solid State started. That's yeah. when I started they, going insane, because Solid State was more metal, and, yeah. you know, I, I'm definitely indie rock guy, and into all kinds of crazy stuff from all my friends, and I didn't do a lot of, I, the Christian music that I was listening to at that time, I was dragging with me from the induction of it, like Deliverance, Tourniquet, and that kind of stuff, but when Solid State hit me, dude, what a brick in the teeth, I was like, I want to buy everything, I was so into it loved every i mean yeah all i had to hear was solid state has a new release i'm at least gonna go find someone with it and listen to it and there was no stealing oh, yeah. music then it was like hey can i borrow that <laughs> you know when when tooth and nail the first decade is definitely my decade for them and uh mm-hmm. i at the time because it was so new and so fresh and we were so young and just it was absorbing so many styles that we didn't even know were going on we um we bought everything the label put out. As long as that said tooth and nail on it. I remember they would have the catalogs. As they talk about this in the film. Oh, yeah. The catalogs would come in the mail, and you'd open it, and you'd look, and you'd see the covers. Yep. And you'd see the band names, and you'd see Joe Christmas upstairs overlooking. And you'd see Joy Electric. Uh, Havelina. Whatever record was coming. You know, Havelina Rail Company. Like, Definitely. what the heck is all this music? What is this? Right. It's all on the label. I'm buying it. And you just we would just go out, and we'd buy that. We bought everything for right. the first 10 years. Not knowing what they were, I remember when 90 Pound Wuss was first coming out, I saw the band name and we were like, well, what kind of music is that? What is 90 Pound Wuss? Is it going to be like punk rock? Is it going to be like roadside music? Uh, metal? What is it? Right. And I remember I remember like a buddy of mine heard them first and said, I know what kind of music they are and I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> nah, 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 like, nah, tell nah, me, nah. tell me, tell me. Like we were just so excited about anything that, that Leo was going to do. And then, you know, they started doing a lot of the MXPX ripoffs because after seeing what kind of money they were going to make sure. there, you know, okay, yeah. let's sign Value Pack. Let's sign Slick Shoes. Let's sign, you know, Undecided or whatever. All those bands, you know. And like, right, right. I didn't I didn't care about any of that. So nah, I, I, dug, I dug MXPX in the beginning. I thought Teenage Politics... Um, Life in General and the first one, Pokemon. I thought they were good records, but they're very but the good. They're I'm, very good if you're into that. Yeah, I just, yeah. Eh. If you're into that, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I discovered as I'm buying those first record, second record, that I'm not really into it, but right. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan because it's tooth and nail, and it's yeah, like you yes, find yourself exactly. Weird it's like I want to support them anyway. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, right, right. But right, you, right. for me, bands like Blenderhead and Starflyer '59 and uh, Crux and uh, trying to think of some of the other roadside. Joe Christmas was awesome. Roadside, well, Roadside Monument blew my mind when I saw them. I, they still blow my mind. Yeah, I was a, I was a fan of a band called Mr. Bishop's Fist. Yeah, Hello, right Tim. On. Hello, John Ford. Um, and uh, Tim was in Warlord. John Ford was in Roadside, of course. They before that they were in this band called Mr. Bishop's Tim, Fist. Tim and John. Them. Tim and John, if you're listening, open invite. You're allowed to come talk on our show. Oh, we're gonna get Tim. We'll, we'll definitely get Tim. Oh, okay, He's a buddy of mine. Um, but anyway, we, I saw Cornerstone, at Cornerstone 94, I saw Mr. Bishop's Fist. They were playing almost back-to-back with Living Sacrifice. So I, I saw like half of their set, ran to see the Living Sacrifice set. Dang. So, and uh, I recognized, I went, you know, fast forward, I went to see Staves Acre in like 96. And I love Staves Acre. They were playing for Friction. It was like they were just out. Wait a minute, Staves and, Acre was on Tooth and Nail, right? Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about them. <laughs> I had a, I don't know how I forgot Stavesacre. I love them. Oh, man, Stavesacre. So, sorry, I had to, my uh, laptop was not plugged in. So, yeah, we we um, we um went to see Stavesacre, and Roadside Monument was the opening band. They had already released 
beside this brief hexagonal, their first album. Yes. But they had a complete lineup change, except for their singer, Doug Laurie. Um, so I was standing there, and I'm like, who was this band? This doesn't look like the Roadside Monument that I just bought this CD of. And they started playing Sperm and Burden, and just blew my mind. Like just the sound that was coming out of those three three dudes. It was just like, it was... It, it it changed it, it was a huge influence on the music I would make at that point on yep and, you know it was like them and then like the early today is the day it was like in a, in our line just blew my mind but it was sort of that early noise rock thing that was yep. happening I remember I remember uh, Sperm Rinsey oh, Rins sounded the way it did and then the next song is like totally a different band just beautiful yeah. I mean, and I and, and I was like oh I'm, everyone has permission to just go completely insane now yeah <laughs> play whatever they and want. I'm a fan of yeah I'm a fan of uh of Sunny Real Estate and Quicksand and all that stuff so yeah. I kind of get this sort of like precursor to emo or what people would start calling it is emo or I remember buying Havelina um, Rail Company because it sounds like something that like a place where you would go work I just assumed yeah. Sunny Day Real Estate that's a company. That sounds like, you know, I would go buy a house from them. <laughs> Havelina Rail Company, I thought, uh, well, that's that's just, okay, it's going to be along the same line. I picked up Havelina. Even Starflyer I, I still don't know how to. I still don't know how to describe Havelina Rail Company to people. You just have to listen to it. That's a weird-ass <laughs> yeah, band, they were, man. They were, they were so much fun. Yeah. But, yeah, man, that label just, like, there's just nothing like it anymore, you know? And, yeah. and all those kind of bands that were coming out. And, and, you know, one thing I will say about the documentary that, that I love, um, at the end in the credits, they listed every single Everything. band from every year that label's been around. They even had uh, Chad from Take Hold was on there, which you have experience yeah. with because of Tantrum and the Muse. That was really cool to yep. see because I, I was like, oh, I, re- I remember him because we were we were trying to get, t- my band was trying to get Take Hold's attention, you know? <clears throat> oh, I know. I tried so hard to sell you guys to that label. But th- we, we, were, we were on the cusp of being assigned to that label two different times. And the second time was because Chad Johnson, who ran Take Hold, Got a job at Tooth and Nail. I think they bought him out they and bought, got him out of take debt. Take hold, right? Yeah. Made him like another like captain there, and, and that was it. Right. And yeah, it was good to see. It was just so funny to see him on there and just see his face again and be like, "Yeah, I remember you, man." Like that's just such a a different different world to go. But but you know, and, it that, se- and you know, it my, seems like such a huge world. And at the same time, the documentary made it small enough that I felt like even those of us that were in bands that kind of had a little bit of a local thing but we weren't huge and everything we were still only one degree away from talking to these people and i mean you yeah. you were even closer because of take hold and chat and everything but it just felt mm-hmm. like these are the guys that it like some dude up the street making albums it just happened to be him and turned right. into a huge label you know but yeah <clears throat> and you know my, my criticism for this film it's because i want more i love this and i want, you want no new it, kind of story you know? too yeah well, anyway, I'm, I got nothing more to say about it. Uh, I, I, I could use, I could use more. And what I want more of is a uh, make a solid state one. <laughs> this is solid state, the movie. Five minutes on living sacrifice. Do like uh, ten on embodiment, and and let strong arm talk the rest of the time. And you can just nah, that sounds like a really boring movie. Shut up, dude. <clears throat> All right. Uh, well, we didn't have any guests this week. We decided to make each other our guests. So. Uh, here, there's the first episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be my it. guest. Uh, yeah, be my yeah, guest. Yeah, man. Yeah, this is it. This is the first episode, and uh, more to come. Definitely, we're gonna we're gonna try to do this on a weekly basis. We're gonna do our best, and uh, we hope you enjoyed it. I'll have uh, as many show notes in here as I can with everything that we talked about. And uh, mm-hmm. if you didn't like it, 
I don't know, unsubscribe. Go listen to Billy and go Mark's listen podcast because they're great. Go listen to Veritas Vinyl Podcast. Listen to Jesse's Veritas Podcast. He's only doing it, he says, once a month. I think he'll probably, I think he just wanted to get rid of us. Yeah, so I know, I know, I know that's hope. what it is. He told me he had a hard time looking at me, and he got he got confused. He had confused emotions having to look at me. I said, let's just stop doing Skype calls, mm-hmm. and we'll just do audio. But then he was like, no, I, I, I don't want that either. So, yeah. Can't open them so handsome. Gotta keep, gotta keep the sexual tension out of these podcasts, I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, so, uh, hey, have a, uh, have a heck of a week, everybody. See you around. And we'll see see you as the story grows. Oh, man, no, (laughs) you didn't just do that. As the story grows. We'll come up with some catchy tagline. Until then, uh, whatever. Go watch that documentary. Yeah, check it out. NoNewKindOfStory.com And uh, go go purchase the Blu-ray. Support it. And there's a lot of classic Tooth & Nail merch actually available too. So um, repressed shirts and stuff like that. And uh, women's uh, crotchless panties. All kinds of stuff. So check it out. Oh, those are for women? Love you. Take care. Bye-bye.